0: Well, God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord, Christian Fellowship. With our second of our weekly installment of our broadcast, The Truth of the Gospel. The truth, the truth, the truth of the gospel. We're going to continue and possibly conclude our uh, discussion uh, of Jesus and liars. Jesus and liars. Jesus and liars. Uh, we we ended Friday night uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and I challenged you to read that, and I hope that you did read at least that first half of that second chapter of Second Thessalonians. I'm going to pick up there today in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and then I'm going to share a few more verses with you, a few more passages, I should say, of Scripture with you, and then I'm going to sign off. And then next week, next Friday, uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll begin a new subject. Lord willing, we'll begin a new subject. But right now I want to talk about, uh, continue to talk about Jesus and liars. And when I say Jesus and liars, we're, we're mostly talking about the adversary, our adversary, Satan, the devil. Our, our key scripture was John eight forty four, 44, where Jesus said, you, he told his critics, he told them, you are of your father, the devil. In the works of your father you want to do he was a liar from the in a murderer from the beginning and he did not abide and does not abide in the truth uh, when he when he speaks a lie he speaks of his own his own resources for he is a liar Jesus called the devil a liar <laughs> Glory to God that's why it's important that we not be liars because if we're liars then we're in essence we're agreeing with the devil and sometimes telling the truth can be difficult and can be even painful but we have to be careful not to be liars, especially habitual liars, habitual pathological liars, of which there are those who are that, uh, they are in league with the devil, really, because the devil' is a liar, and the Bible says he's the father of every lie. We see his first lie in Genesis uh, chapter three, but we know he told lies even before that. I mean, I guarantee you he lied to those angels in heaven before they were drop kicked out of heaven. He lied to those angels and, and, and caused them, uh, deceived them into rebelling against God by probably telling them that they were going to be able to take over heaven and, and that Lucifer, he was Lucifer then, that he would be their Lord and master and that they would be, you know, probably the highest ranking. And they would be in charge, large and in charge, etc. I guarantee you he lied. And he they were drop kicked out of heaven. And then we, but our first. Um, specific evidence of his lie and, and deceit is in Genesis chapter 3 where he deceived Eve into eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and Adam who was there with her, we believe he ate, he willfully sinned against God where Eve was deceived, Adam willfully sinned against God and they were ex, ex, uh, evicted uh, expelled from the Garden of Eden uh, but even before they were expelled, God made them coats of skins. And uh, that was a type, a shadow of God who would eventually uh, cover and eventually wash away our sins by the blood of his dear son, Jesus. Because remember, before God made them coats of skins, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked and they were ashamed of their nakedness, which is something God did not want. He He did not want them to be ashamed of their nakedness. Once they ate of the forbidden fruit, they were ashamed of their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together. That's a type of man trying to use his own devices to cover up his sinfulness. But God came behind them and made coats of skins, and in order for him to make coats of skins, he God had to kill a sacrifice himself that foreshadowed the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who would die. At Calvary's, Eventually died at Calvary's cruel cross for our every sin. He shed his blood. And the blood of goats and bulls could not take away our sins. The blood of an animal cannot take away the sins of a man. It took the blood of a man, and not just any man, but the blood of a sinless man. It took the blood of a sinless man, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It took the blood of a sinless man to wipe away, wash away our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. John called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus answered the sin question. Jesus, the Bible calls him the satisfaction of God. He is the propitiation for our sins. Once he was sacrificed at Calvary's cruel cross, the sin question was answered. The veil in the temple was torn in two. God was satisfied that the sin question had been answered. There's no need for a further sacrifice Beyond our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Any sacrifices beyond that uh, are a waste of time. Jesus, hallelujah. Help me preach. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah. He is the perfect sacrifice of God. He is the perfect sacrifice of God. All right, so I got my grandson here. He wants to help me to preach. As long as he sits there and doesn't knock things over, etc., he can sit there and help me, okay? All right, now, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you, we bless you. We just ask that you bless your people, just move in their lives in a tremendous way. Help them to know that Jesus is the only sacrifice, only perfect sacrifice for our sins. Blessed be his name forever. We thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. By the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, at Calvary's cruel cross. Not only did he sacrifice himself at Calvary's cruel cross, Father, but you did bodily raise him from the dead. And you you set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power, and might and dominion, every name that's named in this world and in the world to come. Blessed be your name forever. Lord, bless your people through this teaching. We pray that through this teaching, preaching and teaching and preaching all over the world, that fruit and gifts of the holy spirit would be manifested lord according to your good acceptable and perfect will bless your people lord help us to help us to walk away from the lies of satan and to walk in your truth for lord you your son jesus are the way the truth and the life we thank you lord that you've revealed him to us you've opened the eyes of our understanding that we may no longer be blind thank you lord we bless you we praise you we glorify you through your holy son jesus christ our lord Amen and amen. I'm going to pick up on Second Thessalonians, which is where I left off Friday evening. Very powerful passage of scripture. Very powerful passage of scripture. Uh, there, there were, there were, there were, there were, there were false letters being circulated uh, through the Th- Thessalonian church. What we today would call fake news. There were false letters being circulated in the Thessalonian church supposedly from Paul, and Paul said, I, I didn't write those letters, No, that's fake news. It's a lie, it's a lying spirit. And these fake letters were saying that the Thessalonian Christians were already in the tribulation, the great tribulation that was promised in Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah, don't knock that over son, oh, well. that was promised in Jeremiah 30 and 7, no, 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 you just sit here right now, let, hold on the uh, the great tribulation that was promised in Jeremiah 30 and 7 Jacob's trouble uh, our Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 uh, 20 uh, especially verse 21 Luke uh, 21 mark 13 talked about a time that had never been upon the earth a time that had never been upon the earth uh, time of great tribulation and so the Thessalonian Christians and Thessalonians is one of Paul's earliest letters. We believe his earliest letter was Galatians. It's possible that Thessalonians was the second earliest letter. And so there was the, there was a false letter being circulated as though from Paul. He, you're going to see that when I read the passage. There was a false letter circulated as though from us, Paul said. But it was a lie. It was a lying spirit. And... uh Paul said, no, you're not in the great tribulation yet, because there are certain things that have to happen before the great tribulation comes upon us. So let me read the second Thessalonian letter to you, and then I'll explain some of the verses uh, as I go. And then I'll try to cover a few more passages and then we'll close. All right. Paul says, and this is second Thessalonians, and I'm going to be reading from the let me read it to you from the New King James Version. Should be this bible right here i've got like three three versions in front of me second thessalonians chapter two if you give me a chance to go to it and again I, I i pray that you've read this on your own and if not well then listen to it right here now brethren paul is speaking to christians here he's not speaking to the world he's not speaking to unbelievers he's speaking to the to the body of believers believers in jesus the body of christ the church he says now brethren concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ that's a very that's a very dominant theme in in the thessalonian letters in first thessalonians the coming of jesus is mentioned in every chapter somewhere in every chapter this is second thessalonians which is a shorter first thessalonians five chapters second thessalonians three chapters But here he mentions the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for some reason, the Holy Spirit um, ordained that the coming of Jesus be a very dominant theme to the Thessalonian Christians, even more so than some of the other epistles or letters. Now, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Did you hear that? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That's not talking about communion. That's talking about the parousia. The coming of the lord jesus christ and our gathering together to him that sounds like it's talking about the rapture when the church is raptured out of the earth before the beginning of the great tribulation let me read it one more time now brethren so he's speaking to believers he's not speaking to the the true people who don't believe in jesus he says now brethren concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ what's known as the parousia and our gathering together to him now if, if that, that'll make more sense If you go back and read 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Did you hear that? And so shall we ever be with the Lord comfort one another with those words. So this 2nd Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter 2 the beginning of this chapter sounds like it's making a reference to that now brethren concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ and our gathering together to him so he has to be talking about the rapture because he has to be t- son you keep you keep knocking this out the way you can't do that because you're hold on you can't do that cuz you keep knocking this out the way right. you, you can't keep hitting it cuz you're knocking it out the way okay right. all right now be quiet while i'm while i'm doing this okay Thank you, babe. He has to be talking about the coming of the Lord, because when he wrote this, the Lord had already gone back to heaven. So the only way we could be gathered unto him would be we would have to meet him somewhere. We would have to meet him somewhere. And of course, according to First Thessalonians, chapter four, we meet him in the air. The passage I just read to you, First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So he says, our gathering together to him. Paul said, we asked you Not to be soon shaken in mind. Remember, false letters were being uh, uh, written uh, purportedly by Paul. He said, no, I didn't write those letters. I didn't write that. You ever had somebody lie on you? Well, that's what he's saying right here. No, these people are lying on me. Apostles of Satan. Uh, Because the Bible says, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, there are false apostles. Jesus talked about it in Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus he said, you've tried those who say they are apostles, or they are not. They're liars. You found them to be liars. Where now we're dealing again with false apostles. Paul said, these are false false preachers. jackleg, bootleg preachers. Pseudo-prophetos, prophet, pseudo false prophets, false teachers. He says, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. Did you hear that? As if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. See, there was a deception, a lie, satanic lie and deception. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. Don't be deceived. Don't be bamboozled. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't be led amok, right? He says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come. He says that great day will not come the lord the day of the lord that's spoken of in the old testament by the prophets uh, ezekiel and jeremiah and isaiah and daniel and uh, uh, malachi talks about the great day of the lord his wrath zephaniah talks about it zechariah talks about it Uh, joel talks about it in that same passage and that same book that same chapter i should say in that same and then preceding and and following um, chapters in joel's prophecy we know we know the part that says, uh, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my handmaidens I will pour out, and servants, I'll pour out my spirit, and they'll prophesy. We know that part, but there are other parts of that chapter and other chapters where the day of the Lord's wrath is, 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 um, is preached, is discussed. Uh, when Jesus read Isaiah in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, He stopped. He was reading what we call Isaiah sixty-one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives from sin, proclaim the good news of the gospel, etc. And then Jesus stopped to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then Jesus stopped, and because he stopped, because the next part said the day of vengeance of our God. he did not want to read that part then because that part did not pertain to what he wanted to say because when you're reading prophecy you might get one part of a scripture that might be talking about something that's going to happen in the next 20 30 years the next part of us of the scripture might be something that's way off in the distant five six hundred years or even thousands of years later so jesus having perfect knowledge of scriptural uh, doctrine and application he stopped he stopped at the part about declaring the day of vengeance of our lord he did pick up on that subject when he gave the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. He did pick up on that subject. All right, so anyway, so he says, so Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means. He said, don't be deceived. Stay woke. <laughs> that day will not come unless he says there got to be a falling away first. Same thing he said in 1 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. There has to be a falling away first. He says the man of sin must be revealed. Now, who is this man of sin? This man of sin is what we call the Antichrist. The Bible calls him the beast. The Bible calls him the beast. He's the Antichrist. The man of sin is revealed. He says he's going to be revealed, but he can't be revealed until God's fullness of time. The Bible says his number is 666. But nobody knows who he is yet. But there will be a time when he will be, there will be a time when he will be revealed. The man of sin is will be revealed. The Bible calls him the son of perdition. There's even one scholar who believes it might be a a, a reincarnated, a resurrected Judas Iscariot, because remember Jesus called Judas the. He said, "Father," in John 17. He said, "Father of those you've given me, I've lost none, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled." There's one um, um, scholar, and he's he's not an irresponsible writer. He's a great scholar. He's a messianic Jew. He says it's possible that this uh, son of perdition will be a resurrected Judas Iscariot, that he will be Judas come back to life to be the Antichrist. Now, that's just, uh, that's just one view. I'm sure there are many. But he says it might be Judas Iscariot because the title son of perdition, that's the same title given to Judas in John chapter 17. But listen to what the Paul says about this son of perdition, the Antichrist, the beast. He's spoken of as being a beast in Revelation chapter 13, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. He's going he's to exalt himself and say that he's God and that he's worthy of worship. Or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Did you hear that? The Jewish temple will be rebuilt. It would be it would be rebuilt on the site where now is the muslim dome of the rock now how that will occur what political uh deals or whatever have to be uh, um uh, implemented for that to come to pass i don't know but the temple in jerusalem remember there were already two temples there was the first temple that solomon built that temple was destroyed by um by uh the uh nebuchadnezzar and the babylonians then there was a second temple that was built that temple was destroyed by titus and the roman legions in 70 a.d so this temple right here that paul is talking about will be the third uh, jewish temple what some people call the tribulation temple because it'll be built and it, it'll, it will exist during the time of tribulation that paul is talking about here but there, this antichrist this beast this liar this one energized by the devil by satan He will sit in the temple of God. Not only will he sit in the temple of God, he will sit in the most holy place. And as I said Friday, God is very patient. He is not patient. He doesn't have patience. God is patience. Uh, And and, and we're living in an age of grace. We've been in grace, an age of grace for about the last 2,000 years. And God is extremely patient. But now something's going to happen here. And it's going to be allowed to happen for about three and a half years. And then God is going to put down this rebellion because this man this man is going to uh, sit in the very holy of holies in the Jewish temple, a place where only the high priest could go, and he could only go once a year. Once a year, he had to go and make a sacrifice on uh, what we call today Yom Kippur, the day, the Jewish day of atonement. Once a year, the, whole, the, the high priest would go into this whole, most holy—not the holy of—not the holy place, but you had to go behind the veil to the most holy place. This individual right here, this antichrist, this beast, he's going to sit in there and he's going to proclaim himself to be God. And he's going to uh, he's going to break. He's going to he's going to form a, a pact with Israel for seven. And for in the middle of the seven years, he's going to break the pact with Israel. Because remember, he's going to make this agreement with them to allow them to resume their animal sacrifices, etc. Remember, as a nation, Israel does not believe that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice the messiah so they're going to resume their sacrifices as they wait for their messiah to come and so he's going to make this pact with israel and he, in the middle of the pact in the middle of seven years which was three and a half years 1280 days he's going to break it he's going to break the agreement he's going to sit in the holy of holies and say i'm god you you, you don't need to continue these animal sacrifices i'm the man i'm the i'm god so the bible says here in second thessalonians that this individual will uh oppose and exalt himself above all that is called god and doesn't it sound like he's being energized by satan what did satan do he said i will be like the most high i will exalt myself above the stars of heaven doesn't the bible tell us that it was pride that got satan kicked out of heaven doesn't the bible say in first timothy 3 when it talks about the qualification of a bishop it says a bishop must be careful not to be you must be careful not to ordain a new believer as a bishop because he'll be lifted up with pride and he'll fall into the same condemnation. Read it, it's in First Timothy 3. He'll fall into the same condemnation as the devil. It was pride. The devil got a bad case and Lucifer at that time. He got a bad case of the big head. And and Jesus said, I beheld him fall from heaven like lightning. It was it was quick. You know how lightning is, it was quick. He beheld he fell from heaven because he got a bad case of the big head. Right? So this man here, this beast, this this antichrist, this 666. The Bible has, oh man, about 50, 75 titles for him. He's called the willful king. He's called the prince that shall come. He's called the beast. He's called the antichrist. He's called the Syrian king. He, there are a lot of titles given for him, uh, especially in the Old Testament. I've got a list of them in one of my books. So if I get a chance, I'll, I'll look it up and share some of them with you, with you at a later time. But it says he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. You hear that? Watch this. Showing himself that he is God. This is upper uppercase G-O-D. Not a God. Not a God uh, like polytheism, a God among many. He's going to say, I am God. I am the one. The Antichrist. Paul said, do you not remember the, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining holding back That he may be revealed in his own time For the mystery of lawlessness the lying spirit of lawlessness of rebellion against god The iniquity uh, I think the king james uses iniquity where this is the new king james it uses lawlessness For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, there are many, and it seems to make sense, who believe that the restraining force that's keeping the Antichrist from being revealed, that the restraining force is the Holy Spirit. I use the analogy Friday night. You're the restraining force in your home from keeping your children from just going buck wild. But if you were to leave on uh, uh, town and tell your children, I'm going to be gone for what? We're going to be gone out of town for six months. It would be, it would be you as a restraining force. You're gone. Your children, if they know you're going to be gone for six months, they could have parties and, and do uh, and raid your liquor cabinet and, and, uh, find out where you keep your guns, your firearms, etc. Because you as the restrainer you the parents who are the restrainers in the home You are the lawgivers in the home. You are the you are the disciplinarians in the home now you're the restrainers. You're gone and they know you're going to be gone for six months Well, I use that analogy to say the restraining force in the world now is the Holy Spirit in the church As much fault as the church has the church is still the body of Christ As much fault as as is in the church with people, all of us, because we're human, the church is still the sanctified body of Christ. Positionally, we are sanctified in Jesus, although we don't always act like we're sanctified. Positionally, we're sanctified. I can prove that by scripture. If you go to the Corinthian letter, the Corinthian church was one of the most worldly carnal uh, churches of all the churches, probably the most worldly carnal of all the churches. Yet Paul said, you're sanctified by our lord and savior jesus christ so there's positional sanctification and then there is um uh actual um experiential sanctification meaning people who walk like they're sanctified but the moment you give your life to jesus you are positionally sanctified if you go back and read the beginning of the uh of the of the first corinthian letter Paul, paul paul didn't say paul an apostle to uh to these christians you know who are acting crazy and 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 having you know sex with their father's wives and and doing all kind of crazy he says Paul, an apostle to the brethren sanctified in corinth then he says in first corinthians chapter six he talks about those people who would not inherit the kingdom of god then he says and such were some of you but you are washed you are you are redeemed you are sanctified by the blood of our lord and savior jesus christ so the church. As 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 maligned as we as bad a reputation as we bring upon ourselves, in the in the presence of the world, the church is the, is still the sanctified body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm talking about true believers. I'm not talking about everybody who walks into the building on Sunday morning. I'm talking about true believers in Jesus. Getting back to Second Thessalonians, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. It wouldn't be be Satan restraining himself. That wouldn't make sense. Satan wants to manifest himself as though he's God because he's always wanted to be God. That's what got him drop kicked out of heaven. Verse 7, 2 2 Thessalonians 2. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. This is thought to be the Holy Spirit in the church or when the church is raptured, that this restraining power of the Holy Spirit is not saying the Holy Spirit still won't be manifesting himself in the earth. It's not saying that, although there are some who may hold that view. But it's saying the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to restrain. There was a time when Paul and certain of, his, uh, certain of his companions wanted to go preach somewhere and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. So the Holy Spirit is, and I'm sure there are other instances, if I look closely enough in scripture, the Holy Spirit is a restrainer. He leads and God. The Holy Spirit really actively has the role that Jesus had when he walked the earth for about three years. When, so when Jesus walked the earth, there were times he would tell his disciples, no, don't do that. Or, no, don't go there. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, but, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus was a restrainer while he was here on earth. He told his disciples what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, where to go, what where not to go. Now that Jesus has gone back to the right hand of the Father on high, the Holy Spirit has that role of restrainer. So the Holy Spirit can tell you. No, I don't want you to start a church there. It doesn't mean he doesn't want a church there. He may not want you to start the church there for whatever reason, etc. It is the Holy Spirit who might say to you, no, don't marry him. No, don't marry her. And then it's up to us to submit our will to the Lord and to obey. And if we don't obey, then we suffer the consequences. But the Holy Spirit is a restrainer because the Holy Spirit is God. And we know that God does restrain. He restrained Adam and Eve. He said, don't eat of that tree. You may eat of the tree, the fruit of every tree of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree of God and of good and evil. So right there we see God restraining. But of course, Adam and Eve did not submit their will to God. They ate of it. And then we know what happened by one man. Sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So the Holy Spirit is a restrainer. So we, we believe, many of us, not all Christians believe this, but many of us believe that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. Particularly the Holy Spirit in the church and that once the church is taken out of the world in the rapture as i discussed in 1st Thessalonians 4 1 Corinthians 15 etc that the, that the restraining uh, ministry of the holy spirit will be lifted temporarily at least lifted and this is where in the uh, antichrist the man of sin the willful king the prince that shall come 666 the antichrist the beast and these all these other titles the assyrian king Uh, He will be manifested Paul said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way Then the lawless one will be revealed hear that whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth The Lord doesn't need our armies our military our nuclear weapons our smart bombs The Lord doesn't need that the Bible says the Lord will consume this lawlessness, lawless one with the breath of his mouth, glory, and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. My gosh, I'm on his side. I'm on Jesus side. If y'all want to be on the side of Allah and Buddha and Hare Krishna and and the Dalai Lama and Islam, if y'all want to be on that side, that's up to you. But I believe that's a very foolish choice. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the side of him who can destroy with the breath of his mouth. If he can destroy with the breath of his mouth, that means he can give life with the breath of his mouth. It says he can destroy with the brightness of his coming. If he can destroy with the brightness of his coming, he can give life with his brightness, his Shekinah glory. Scripture says so. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, talking about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, verses 1 and 2. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the revelation of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm on this man's side. I'm on Jesus' side. It says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. He's Satan's boy. Just as Jesus obeyed the Father. I don't do anything except my Father tells me. I I look to my Father. Father, 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 Abba, Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just as Jesus looked to the Father, just as Jesus in, uh, is equal to God in office in essence, but he's uh, um, he's equal to God in essence, but Jesus is subordinate to God in office. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, the Father never looks up to anyone. You never hear of the Father looking up to anyone. Having having found no one, having had no one greater to swear by, the Bible says he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you, he said to Abraham. But Jesus looks up to the Father. Father, Abba, Father, if it be your will, let this not come to pass. Take this cup of uh, baptism, of suffering from me, etc. So Jesus, the Son, looks to the Father. See see what I'm saying? So just as Jesus looks to the Father as the second um, 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 entity of the Trinity, Looks to the Father. So this lawless one will be energized, directed by Satan. Says so right here. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. Did you hear that? All power, signs, and lying wonders. Power, signs, and these will be actual miracles, but they'll be energized And God is allowing this for his own purpose, his own glory. The beast will be energized by Satan. All power, signs, and lying wonders. Watch this. And with all unrighteous deception. Now, that's that's the epitome of a liar. All unrighteous deception among those who perish. Among those who perish. Perish how? They're going to perish for eternity. Because these individuals are going to accept the mark of the beast. That's the that, that's the ultimate point of no return. Once you accept the mark of the beast, there's no salvation after that. You cannot be saved after you accept the mark of the beast in your hand or in your forehead. You cannot be saved. It's in the book of Revelation. You cannot. Um, um, it's in Revelation starting um, uh, and around chapter thirteen. Starting at chapter thirteen, you cannot be saved. Once you accept the mark of the beast, there's no point. Of, there's no, there's no return after that. If you're in the church, we believe you'll be raptured out of the world before the great tribulation begins. But even after the great tribulation begins, there will be saints, Jewish and Gentile who will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But anybody who takes the mark of the beast during the great tribulation, anybody who takes that mark, you won't be able to take the mark and say, oh no, I changed my mind. I want to serve the Lord. There will be no point. of There's no return. That's the point of no return. It's in Scripture. Not because I say it, but because it's in Scripture. It's plainly revealed in Scripture. I believe around Revelation chapter 14 and 15, 16 and 17, in that area. There's no return once you take the mark of the beast. Paul said, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, watch this. Here's the reason. Not because God wanted them to perish, but because they did not receive the love of the truth. That they might be saved. They chose to reject the truth of the gospel. They chose to reject the truth that's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now watch this. And for this reason, you can go back to Romans chapter one and see parallels. When when people reject God, he turns them over to their own devices. In a sense, he turns them over to Satan. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. I I talked about that passage in the Old Testament where there was a lying spirit where where God said, who will go for us and be a lying spirit? I looked it up. It's like 1 Kings 22. It's also in one of the Chronicles. But let me look it up. I want to read it to you. It's in 1 Kings. Uh, 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings 22. Here, I'm reading from the King James Version. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Here it is. It's in 1 Kings 22. And I'm going to start at uh, the Lord dealing with Rahab, Ahab, King Ahab. The wicked king. He was the one who married Jezebel. And, and Jezebel brought all that idolatry into Israel. All that Phoenician idolatry into Israel. Uh, Her name, Jezabel, daughter of Eth, Baal. So their names show that they were idol worshippers, Baal worship. All right, let me start at uh, verse 18. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. This is the prophet speaking. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Glory to God. And all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? This is the Lord getting ready to destroy Ahab. And one said on this manner and another said on that manner. Verse 21. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him, and prevail also. Go forth, and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets. And the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. So we we see that instance there in 1 Kings 22, and now we see it being played out here in 2 Thessalonians where it says, where Paul says, and for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. It's the same God from 1 Kings 22. It's the same God. God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You hear that? They should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned. What kind of condemnation? Temporary condemnation? No, eternal damnation, eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord. Because as I read in the previous verse, because they receive not the love of the truth. They receive not the truth of the gospel that they might be saved. God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned. Watch this. Who did not believe the truth. That word truth keeps coming up. The truth, the truth of the gospel, love of the truth. They did not believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They preferred to live their lives eighty and ninety or a hundred years or a hundred plus, seventy years, whatever. They preferred to live their brief life that's like a blade of grass. They preferred to live it pursuing their own pleasures and denying the only God, our Father, and the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the, the God of all glory. You hear that? <laughs> Satan had these individuals so deceived. And if you're not part of the church, if you're alive, you'll have to go into the great tribulation. If you don't accept Jesus Christ before the church is raptured and you're still alive when the church is raptured, which could happen at any time. There are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled for the church to be raptured. There are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled for the church to be raptured. None. The church could be raptured while I'm talking right now. Could be. We don't know when. No man knows when. If anybody tells you they know when, they're lying to you. No one knows when the rapture will take place, but we do know it will take place. And once it takes place, and we don't know how long after, it could be months, weeks, years, sometime after the rapture is when this this time period uh, known as Jacob's trouble, the abomination of desolation, the great tribulation will begin. That, and Satan will literally, literally come to the earth, literally come to the earth, Satan himself, and will manifest himself in the Antichrist, in the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, uh, 666, the beast, etc. The, prin- the, the prince that shall come, not the prince of peace, that's Jesus, the prince that shall come, the lawless one, uh, the Assyrian, the willful king. He's got a lot of different names. Now, I've got a list of them in, in one of my commentaries. You don't want to have to be here to go through that. But if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll either die and go to a Christless grave, or you'll have to go into the Great Tribulation and deal with uh, with, with this whole situation right here. Do mm-hmm. not believe the lies of Satan and do not believe the lies of those who are in league with Satan, what Jesus called the synagogue of Satan. Do not believe their lies. Telling you that Jesus is not Lord. That he is not Lord. That he is not worthy. That he is not Savior. That you are okay the way you are. You can walk in your truth. You know your truth is going to land you in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone. But walk in the truth of the gospel. Walk in the truth of the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Powerful passage of scripture. I'm going to talk about one more passage of scripture. And then I'll close for for the day. That one more passage of scripture is in uh second Peter, uh chapter two. Second Peter. I want to go to Second Peter. I'll tell you what, I'll just stay in the New King James Version. Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter. Peter wrote two epistles. And the second one is, is what I want to read from. Second Peter chapter two. In order to understand, of course, chapter 2, it's important to read chapter 1. Tell you what, let me start at verse 16 of chapter 1. Then I'll go into chapter 2 and do some explaining. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. Did you hear that? Even Peter is dealing with the lying spirit of Satan. We did not follow cunningly devised fables. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter is talking about the experience at the Mount of Transfiguration. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. The Mount of Transfiguration, which was probably Mount Hermon in Israel. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light. That shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is any of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. So he's saying no scripture is based on man's private interpretation because prophecy, true prophecy did not originate with man. He says, holy men of God holy men of god spoke as they were moved by the holy spirit so that's the backdrop for second peter chapter two let me read that last passage again to you peter said knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man not true prophecy but holy men of god spoke As they were moved. And we know that it also included holy women. There were prophetesses. We know that. But holy men of God spoke as they they were moved. By the Holy Spirit. Now we go to chapter 2. We just formed a little bit of a background. I didn't read the whole chapter. But I think I read enough to kind of form the basis for chapter 2. Listen to the lie that Peter warns us against. He warns us. God sent apostles to warn us. To instruct us. To discipline us to give us revelation of who Jesus is true apostles peter was a true apostle of jesus he wasn't a fake apostle he wasn't a false apostle he wasn't a satanic apostle peter was a true apostle of our lord and savior jesus christ after he was restored after he denied knowing jesus jesus restored him and said you know, you know feed my sheep feed my lambs and that's exactly what peter did he fed the um he, his, his, he was the apostle to the Jews. Paul said, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. It was Peter who opened the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. He opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. You hear that? In Acts chapter 10, Peter had the keys to the kingdom. And he used those keys to open the door of the kingdom to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius house. So Peter was a true apostle. Sent one. Apostolos, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he says in chapter 2, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people. The Greek uses the word pseudo. Pseudo means fake, false, like a pseudonym is a fake name. You might use a fake name to write a book. Uh, You might use a fake name for criminal purposes or whatever, put a fake name on an ID or try to apply for credit under a fake name. So the, the Greek uses the word pseudo. Pseudo prophetuos, false prophets. There were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, Peter said, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Did you hear that? See, we think Satan is just on a can. I, I, a preacher used to say this down in Macon, Georgia, years ago, Pastor Bill Little, Power Deliverance uh, Tabernacle in Macon, Georgia. He used to say, Y'all think Satan is just on a, pot of, a can of potash? We think Satan is just some medieval artist's uh, um, um, figment of this artist's imagination. Satan is a living entity bent on killing, stealing, and destroying. A lot of stuff we attribute to God. Oh, God did that. A lot of stuff we attribute to God is is really Satan. Oh, God took that child. Oh, God God took that child in that car accident. God needed another angel. We attribute a lot of stuff that, that Satan is doing. He's stealing, he's killing, he's destroying we attribute this stuff to God when it's really the devil wreaking havoc in the lives of people. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who, who, who bought them, even denying the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who bought us with his blood at Calvary's cruel cross. And bring on themselves, these false teachers, these false prophets will bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways. Remember what uh, John said in the Revelation? All the world wondered after the beast. Who's able to make war with the beast? 666, the Antichrist. And many will follow their destructive ways. Many, not a few, many. Remember Jesus said false prophets would arise. They would deceive many. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. The way of truth will be evil spoken of. Even today, people who troll me online, uh, are speaking evil of those things when I, when I preach and teach about Jesus Christ, our Lord. People who speak evil of the truth. Some of them are your family members and co-workers. They speak evil of the truth. They blaspheme the truth of the gospel that's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By covetousness, they will exploit you, people who are who are exploiting you for gain. People who are raping you, theologically raping you, so they can uh they're telling you lies, telling you fairy tales. They've got the spirit of Jezebel, they're seducing you, and they're getting and they're exploiting you at your expense, and they're getting richer and richer and richer and richer. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. You see, God, God allows things to happen, but, but God, he's, he's God. So he's, he's, he's going to, he's going to judge everything good and evil. He's going to judge everything. Let me read this to you. Then I'm going to close for, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, did you hear that? Who, who led that rebellion when the angels sinned? Lucifer. We now know him as Satan, Apollyon, Abaddon. He's called in the book of revelation in Greek. Uh, he's a Pollyon in the Hebrew. He's a baden, destroyer, slanderer, steal, kill, destroy. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Sounds like Peter and Jude are kind of bouncing off each other here, right? Did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness. Bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Ungodliness, wickedness, including homosexuality. I'm sure it wasn't just homosexuality. There was probably a lot of other things going on there that the Bible doesn't mention. Bestiality, child molestation, etc. But homosexuality is what's mentioned in Genesis 19. When the angels came down from heaven... These homosexual men said, get out of the way lot. We want, we want these men. We want to have sex with them. We want to know them carnally. People say God destroyed. I've heard people say God just in justification for homosexual lifestyle. People say that if you can, if you can keep from laughing, when I say this, there are people who say God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because the people in the city were not hospitable. After you finish laughing, I'll continue. People say God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because the people in the city were not hospitable as though they didn't lay out a welcome mat and have some uh, iced tea and something, a snack ready for the angels when they came. Or God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness that was in that was in. The Bible says those cities and cities surrounding them in like manner. That's why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He said there, there there's a cry coming up to me, probably from Lot and his people. Because the Bible says Lot was vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked, so the cry coming up to God, I'm sure, was from Lot, and and from um, um, and from some other people who were um, living in in Sodom and Gomorrah in that area. And God said, I'm going to check it out and see what's going on down there. And he knew what was going on, but as God's ways are, he will he will go through these steps to check things out. So he sent some angels, and since all angels, according to the Bible, are male at least in appearance when they come to the earth, uh they they, they came in the appearance of good looking men. Strapped, swole, good looking. And when the men of Sodom and Gomorrah saw these good looking men, they, they just went crazy. Oh oh my gosh. And Lot even offered his own daughters. To here, take my daughters, they're virgins, take them and do whatever you want to do with them. And they said, get out of the way, Lot, you, you you're just a visitor here. Get out of the get out of the way or we're gonna mess you up. And so they didn't want Lot's daughters. They wanted these men. And the men who were angels, they they blinded. They blinded these depraved sinners. So they, they couldn't even find their way back into the door. All right. So anyway, let me, let me move on here. Let me finish. Peter says, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. One of eight people, eight being God's number of grace, renewal, but but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, not because the people were inhospitable. That's a satanic lie. Anybody who believes that, I, I got some lakefront property in Alaska that I want to sell you. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And delivered righteous Lot. Lot had his problems, but the Bible calls him just Lot, righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. I guarantee you Lot was the one sending up prayers. And and the Lord heard it and said, let me go down here and check out and see what's going down here in Sodom and Gomorrah. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to preserve reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. The Bible talks about walking according to the lust of the flesh in uncleanness. That's not how, lack of being hospitable. That's that's that. I mean, come up with a better lie than that. We might even pretend like we believe you because they weren't hospitable. They are presumptuous self-will. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Jude said, but those angels say the Lord rebuke you. I never rebuke Satan. I say, Lord, the Lord rebuke you. I don't rebuke Satan. I don't. I say the Lord rebuke you, Satan, or I'll ask the Lord to rebuke. Satan I I, the Bible tells me to resist the devil and he'll flee from me but the Bible never tells me to rebuke the devil but the Bible says that even angels greater in might do not rebuke the devil but say the Lord rebuke you and that's what I say to Satan the Lord rebuke you Satan the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord but these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. You, you've you, seen people who speak evil of things they don't understand. Jesus said, ever learning and ever, Paul said, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, you do err to his critics. You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And the Bible says right here in Second Peter. These like natural brute beasts, meaning their, their, their hearts are like animals, brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed. They speak evil of the things they do not understand. They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the truth of the gospel. They don't understand the love of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So because they don't understand it and they don't want to understand it, they speak evil of it. They will perish in their own corruption. They will receive the wages of sin. The wages of unrighteousness, as those who come at pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery. They feast with us. They're false brethren. Paul talked about being in perils of false brethren. They feast with us, but they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. The reason they can't cease from sin, they don't have the Holy Spirit, they ain't been born again. A, a person who has not been born again, they, they can't even begin to stop sinning because they don't have what it takes. You have to be born again, and then even, even if you're born again, you have to be willing to submit your will to the will of God. Obeying God is not automatic for the Christian. We have to submit our will to God's will, to, to quote the, the rapper, God's will. <laughs> we have to submit our will to God's will. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm going to automatically obey God. I've got evidence that that's not true. Painful testimony from me and others that that's not true. You have to submit. You have to be like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, I really want to do this, but not as I will. Father, I really don't want to do this, but Lord, not as my will, not my will, but yours be done. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Watch this. Enticing unstable souls. Do you hear the lie? Do you hear how the lie of Satan is like a serpent slithering through the theological landscape? They have a heart trained in covetous practices. They are cursed accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor. Balaam who prostituted his prophetic gift for gain? They have gone the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. The Holy Spirit came upon a dumb ass, a donkey, and rebuked the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water. In other words, they promise you that they're going to refresh you. The Bible says they are wells without water. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed with when you listen to these false prophets, these pseudo-prophetos, these false prophets. Pseudo, false, like a pseudonym, right? You, uh, um, uh, pseudogrifica, you know, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but anything with pseudo is false, is fake. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh. I'm going to stop here. Through the, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. I'm going to stop there. What, what, what I've shown you over the last few lessons is that Satan is a liar. And not only is Satan a liar, but he has a lot of people working for him who, are, who, are, who obviously have to be liars. You can't work for Satan if you're not a liar. Because he's the father of all lies. You, you can't work for him. You can't be on Satan's payroll if you're committed to the truth. But Jesus says he wants you on his payroll.